Welcome to The Fro and the Flow, presented by Burbs Entertainment. I am your host, Ralph Campiano. I am an editor at Burbs Entertainment, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, my Martian, my Mr. Stay Sparkin', my Mr. Palmer's on the sailboat with the Tommy John elbow, Jack Martin. What's poppin', son? Yeah, that only for Dolphins reference. I threw it in for you. It's been two weeks since we last talked. I've listened to so much Action Bronson that it's sickening, and I just thought I'd throw that out there for you, just to make you a little bit happy to come back. I know you were eager to return. I was, too. We've had a lot of stuff going on the last couple weeks, uh, but we're finally back. We're super happy to be here. What's poppin', brother? What Bronson project have you been listening to the most? Only for Dolphins. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of Sergio. A lot of Sergio. Yeah, I usually return to... I was actually I was on only for Dolphins for a while when it first dropped, but lately as I've been going back into revisiting Bronze or whatever, I've been I've been hopping in on Lamb Over Rice again. Just so digestible, it's like twenty minutes or whatever. So easy. So I just run that. But lately, you know, when it gets cold out, I like to teleport myself, so I've been throwing on more Sublime lately. <laughs> Stuff like that. We just did our run it back episode last night. Um that'll be coming out pretty soon. Uh, we did on Fight Club, and that's a very grungy movie. And so Jack likes to compliment his grunge movies with his grunge music. So he goes right into the hipster diving sublime right after he finishes praising Tyler Durden and kneeling at his cross. Um, but today we're going to be talking about basketball. And we're going to be talking about the Los Angeles Lakers and their kind of skid that they're experiencing right now without Anthony Davis in the lineup. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Chicago Bulls. Jack's favorite team, who he can't stop talking about and can't stop watching. Um, we're going to be talking about the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, they are cooking right now without Kevin Durant in their lineup. So unlike the Lakers, they are losing, missing a superstar right now, but two of them are getting it done without him. Um, and then we're going to be talking about our all-stars. So the starters already came out, but we'll be uh, proposing some reserves as well. Um, so let's start with the Lakers. Um Right now, they are on a three-game losing streak. They lost to Brooklyn, they lost to Miami, and then they lost to Washington last night in overtime. Um, no Anthony Davis the last five games. Uh, he went out in Denver, so I guess the last four games. They bounced back and they beat Minnesota. Uh, but since then, LeBron's been playing around 40 minutes a game, uh, really upping his load, coming for that MVP case as hard as he can right now. What do you see... Where do you think the biggest absence is with Anthony? Do you think it's on offense, or do you think it's on defense right now? Because... They've only scored, they're averaging, they scored 98 points against Brooklyn. They scored 94 against Miami. They dropped 124 against Washington last night, but they're also giving up a lot of points too. Where do you think the biggest difference is with them? I'd say it's both, honestly. I mean, Schroeder being out too doesn't help them because he's such a big scoring presence off the bench or when he starts. And But, you know, you look at defense and you take away AD and who's their rim protector now? You know, we don't have you don't see JaVale and Dwight Howard out there like last year anymore, running the rim, getting rebounds. Marcus All is still a solid player, but he's a lot older and he's not as I guess he's not as exclusive to defense as JaVale and Dwight were. Because, you know, you see Gasol running a lot of high pick and rolls with LeBron, he's taking a lot of threes. He's more involved on the offensive side of the ball, as opposed to those two. And with A D you have your primary rim runner and your shot blocker, and without him, it's it's tough for them to play defense. And their offense, you know, we saw that it was a bit stagnant at times last year, and I think that's happening again right now. Not having AD is... Obviously, AD has kind of been cruising this year, if you just look at the box scores. But he's still AD, and I was listening to something today, and him and LeBron went on the court together, have a 
plus 15 point differential per 100 possessions. So, like, it's just his overall impact is greatly missed, and the numbers will show for it. Yeah, I mean, even if he isn't going to be, you know, going all out like you just mentioned, he is kind of coasting right now. He's still a presence in the paint. Whereas with Mark, like, Mark is a presence in the paint, but the biggest thing with Anthony is when you get him involved in a on like a, a pick and roll or something like that on the defensive end, he can make life hell for the ball handler. Mark can't do that. He's not agile enough anymore to keep up with those guards and then get back to the role. Anthony can do it all. Like it almost seems really easy for him because he's so long. He's still so quick. We talked about him being a point guard on stilts. He reads the floor on both ends so well. Mark is really good at reading the floor on the offensive end, and he's really good at reading it defensively. He just doesn't have the physical attributes to keep up with his mentality. Whereas with JaVale and Dwight last season, they might not have been the smartest in like terms of figuring out what the other team's offense is running like with like 20 seconds left on the shot clock. Well, Mark could definitely do that. But they were quick enough, and they could jump high enough, and they could react like they, they're they're quick twitch athletes. We hear that term all the time now. They're quick twitch athletes. So it doesn't matter if they have a little bit of a lapse because their athleticism can make up for it. Whereas with Mark, even if he doesn't have a lapse, he's still going to get burnt just because he's a bigger body. He's a little bit slower, and that's just the way that kind of thing goes. Um, with Schroeder, I think he raised a really good point because that second unit is looking brutal. I've been looking at these role players. I thought that this was LeBron's probably best supporting cast that he's had throughout his career. And without Dennis and AD, it's just so evident that it... I mean, this this supporting cast isn't great. Like, there's not a lot of guys who can get their own shot. Uh, Kuzma is trying to step up. I think he's taking about five more shots per game right now. And all credit to him. He's been playing really good recently. I love the way he was crashing the offensive glass. Um, but, I mean, they don't have... Like, like Markeith Morris isn't going to go get his own shot. Caruso isn't. Wesley Matthews. Uh, it's just kind of tough for these guys. And Talon's still so young, he's still trying to figure out the league. But there's not a lot of shot creators mm-hmm. on this team. And that's where it's just so different for them in Brooklyn. Like, even Brooklyn's, like, like I mean, they've obviously got Kyrie Harden and KD. But even, like, Joe Harris can find a way to get a shot off. He's not just a jump shooter. He can cut to the basket. He can, I know, come off screens, all that kind of stuff. But he can also dribble the rock and get to the basket, which is something that he's improved over the course of his career. And then they have guys like Jeff Green, who's been forced in many occasions on like 15 different fucking teams like hey you're gonna be our lead bench scorer so he's used to that but a lot of these guys aren't used to that they're used to coasting off of lebron and casey or lebron yeah lebron and kcp lebron and ad this lot this year so far so it's a it's been an interesting experiment just because like these guys are getting bigger roles and we would like them to step into those roles especially come playoff time but right now it just doesn't look like they're doing it yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what... And, you know, I actually, you know, before I say that, I'll say this. I don't think that there necessarily needs to be the panic button hit for the Lakers right now. I think that they've lost one of the top players in the league for a month. There's going to be adjustments that come with that. There's, I'm sure that there's still a bit of a finals hangover in some way. Um, not to make, like, excuses for them, but I just... You know, I'm sure, you know, as the days go on and AD's out and we see some inconsistencies and some struggles from the Lakers, I think it's kind of important to not feed into the sound of the panic alarms and we got to go out and make this splashy trade. I'd I'd still argue that even without JaVale and Dwight that their supporting cast is better this season than last. 
and that AD is just and this is just showing how phenomenal of a player AD is and what kind of difference he makes. But I think it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they navigate the buyout market. You know, Boogie just hit the open market. They have two roster spots. Uh, Quinn Cook got waived yesterday. Boogie already got his contract fully guaranteed, so the Rockets are paying him that 2.6 or whatever. It's not like the Lakers have to go out there and throw him like a $5 million offer sheet. They could. He obviously is moving a bit slower, but in limited time, and it took him a bit to find his groove in Houston, but he's averaging like 10 and 8. So as a bench guy and then it's also I think going to be to see Blake Griffin if what happens with that contract situation you know no one's going to be able to trade for him necessarily because that player option for next year is like 38 million dollars and obviously you're going to take that if you're in that position but if he were to get bought out I think that would be an I think it would be an interesting destination just because he's not going to go back to the Clippers because he fucking hates Steve Ballmer and I think that'd be a cool way for him to like I don't know like (laughs) Just kind of spit in their faces. That's really interesting. I haven't heard that name with them yet. I mean, we all know that Blake is obviously past his prime, but he's still capable of a lot of stuff. I mean, Detroit asks him to be their number one option every night, and he's just not that anymore. But if he's your third or fourth option, that's pretty dangerous. Like he's two years ago in that opening playoff series against the the Bucks when he was on the Pistons, he went crazy. He just got hurt all the time. Like, he just lost that bounciness because his knees got hurt. But, like, he we've seen even this year, he had, like, a good game against the Lakers, too. Like, he's extended his game. And, and again, he's another guy you don't have to pay a lot. Like, he's already – if he were to get bought out, he'd be getting an insane – he'd be getting tens of millions of dollars. Like, and at that point, it's about, you know, getting a ring. And he talked about how he wants to join a contender. And, you know, you look and think of who the serious contenders are. You know, for Blake Griffin, the teams that I would that would make sense, I guess, are a Brooklyn or a Philly. But I don't know if I was the Lakers and he hits the he becomes a free agent in like the next few weeks, I'd be putting in a call to his agent. I mean, let's keep it a rack. He definitely didn't move to Detroit. He still got his house in Los Angeles. That's where he probably spends the majority of his time in the off season. So. Just a little homecoming for him would be nice. Like I like that you mentioned the little Clippers revenge. That'd be awesome. And the thing is, like he he gets injured so often because teams don't ask him to play thirty five minutes a game or thirty minutes a game, whatever it might be. They need him to play thirty minutes a game because they're fucking Detroit. If he comes to the Lakers or goes to the Nets, he's only gonna have to play like twenty minutes a game. And the offensive load is going to be so much less. Um, he's still going to be asked to do a little bit defensively, but he's not going to be like, you're our anchor or anything like that. He never really was a defensive anchor. But offensively, like he doesn't need to facilitate the offense. He can just be himself. And he's gotten so much better fundamentally over the last five or six years that it's really it's been tremendous to see because he came into the league like Zion, just like this explosive athlete who would bang on anybody's head. Anytime he was in the paint, defenders were scared of getting put on posters. But now, like, he's a brilliant passer. He has always had that gene in him that, like, you don't just gain. Like, you're born with it. And he's a better ball handler. And now he can shoot threes. So I think it would be really interesting to see him on either team. I want him to go to either team. I don't care which one. I prefer the Lakers because I still believe in Blake. But I think that's a really good point. I haven't heard anybody talk about that. Good shit by you. Um, As far as Boogie's concerned, bring him back to the Lakers. Come on. Like, you know he wants to just hang out with AD and Braun. Mm -hmm. But um, I could see him going to... uh, to Brooklyn too because that'd be like a little USA reunion for him because he played with those guys on the Olympic teams. Um, but let's move on to the Bulls. Uh, so the Chicago Bulls right now are in the playoff hunt. 
They are the eighth seed in the playoffs right now. They are only behind the New. They are a uh, half game behind the New York Knicks and only one game behind the Boston Celtics right now, which is just absurd. Like if you would have told me that at the beginning of the season, that they would be one game behind the Celtics, I'd be like, well, what the fuck happened to Boston? So, you've been watching a lot of Bulls recently. I haven't watched them in the last five or six nights. I watched them last week. I can't remember who I watched them play. I'll have to pull it up. But um, just tell me, like, all right. Obviously, they're a totally different team this year than they are from last year. But what kind of growth have you seen throughout this season that has like allowed you to believe, like, okay, we can actually not maybe not contend in the playoffs, obviously, but at least compete, like at least push one of these Phillies or um, I mean, I guess not Boston's, but you know, just like one of those like top tier teams like Indiana or Toronto, push them to six or seven games. What what improvements have you seen this season that allows you to believe that? I honestly think that it's been, it kind of started last week. They're four and one in the last five games, and ever since Wendell honestly returned from his injury, they've looked like not a completely different team, but it's looking like the pieces are finally starting to get put together. You know, the beginning of the season was very inconsistent. Um, the first two games just made it seem like this was going to be a brutal year, and then injuries kind of bit again. But obviously, I think the biggest thing is the evolution of Zach Levine. We're going to talk about All-Stars later, but, I mean, this man's going crazy. He's my favorite player to watch in the league right now. It's insane how efficient he is. Oh, my God. These numbers are... are here, I'll, I'll spit them out to you really quick. 28.5 per game, right? So you'd mm-hmm. think that Levine usually goes for about 25, 26, and he's shooting about 45% from the field. Not great. He's shooting 52% from the field this year and 43% from three. That's disgusting. Those are like Steph numbers, bro. They are that Steph is disgusting. Numbers. Sorry, keep speaking your piece. Well, it's just there's such a confidence now in watching them that I haven't felt in years. Where even against the Sixers, I was getting mad when they made mistakes because it felt like they could win that game. And Levine got locked down by Matisse Thybulle. Um so that wasn't great, but. He's a he's a yeah. great defender though. He's he's got all the intangibles yeah. defensively, so I wouldn't feel too no, bad about and that. Obviously, Embiid put up a career game, so I mean that was fun to watch though. That was fun, but I don't know. It just seems like there's like they're in every game, and just the supporting cast around him, like Thaddeus Young. I mean, um, Stacey King has started calling him Fadjik Johnson. I saw that. I heard, I heard him talk about that. They fucking love that. Dude, I mean, he got stashed away on the bench last year. We barely saw Thad Young, and then there were reports coming out that he was mad about his playing time and was kind of looking to go elsewhere. But Billy Donovan has really utilized him, and he's even, you know, backup center has been our weakest spot for sure. And he's filling in right there now. You're not seeing Luke Cornett or Daniel Gafford get minutes at five. It's Thad Young's going out there. Um and he's just doing everything, and he's such – he's the glue of this team, I would say. Without him and even – you know, and honestly, without Garrett Temple and Tomas Sonoransky too, I mean, these veterans that we have are being used in the right way as opposed to last year where Jim Boylan was just kind of using, like, 24-man rotations calling up guys from the Windy City Bulls to play too. Like, it was just all over the place. <laughs> so, it's just a cohesive unit. Everyone's kind of on the same page, and everybody has a role. No, is kind of like floating around, and I guess the only person I'd say that kind of doesn't have a set role right now is Lowry. 
we're hooping without Lowry, and it's kind of... I kind of forget that he's even on the team sometimes, if I'm going to be completely honest. Like, I'm watching these games, and they're playing so well, and they're gelling so well together. It's like, why? You know, Lowry's only played a few games. They have, like, a 500 or, like, right below 500 record with him. I don't see why we shouldn't look to trade him for another young asset that fits into the system really well. I think we should try to trade him for Lonzo somehow. If You know, if we got to attach a pick to it, whatever. I mean, let's get him. I just want players who are going to fit the system well and... Wendell, before he came back from his injury, I was kind of, I don't know, iffy on whether or not we should look to keep him or not, but he's been playing with such aggression and attacking the rim, and he's getting blocks, and obviously he's going to be mismatched against bigger guys like Joel Embiid, which is why I think that our top priority should be getting a backup center, and which is another reason why I bought myself into Bookie to the Bulls, um, but... Yeah, it's just, I think the number one thing is cohesion, and then, of course, Billy Donovan. Yeah, they're, like, you, you mentioned they've won four of the last five. Well, their only loss was against Philly, right? But then you look at it, and they've won five of their last seven, and their only other loss was against the Clippers. So they're beating the teams that they should beat, and I think that's the biggest thing for a young team like this. Like, you go out and you beat New Orleans by thirteen. You go out and you beat Indiana by eight, which is huge for them. You know, an interdivision rival, somebody you're going to run into a lot, get a little bit of confidence, and you might even see them in the playoffs, depending on how the the seeding shakes out. But then you go out and you beat Detroit. You're supposed to beat Detroit if you're Chicago, and then you go on the road. Or sorry, you didn't go on the road, but you beat Sacramento at home. You beat them by eight, and then you go on the road and you beat Houston by twenty. Now, those little things, like, it doesn't matter, like, if you win five of seven. It's how you win the five out of the seven and who you lost to in those two games. If it's Philly and the Clippers, you can live with that, right? Yep. But if you played, um, you know, like, Orlando and some other team, like, that shakes out like that, like, another Sacramento game, like, then maybe you have a seven-game win streak. And it probably feels like a seven-game win streak because they lost to two really good teams, and they were in both of those games. Or, I guess they lost to the Clippers. I think they lost by, like, 15 or 20, but... Um, they only lost to the Sixers by seven. And that was on a primetime game. It was their only nationally televised game of the year. And they showed out. And that's what you want to see. You want to see guys that are stepping up to the plate. Like, I'm just looking at Kobe White's statistics right now. And this guy is somebody that I was a little bit skeptical uh, coming into the year because I thought he was a score-first point guard. And he is a score-first point guard. But he's also leading their team in assists right now at 5.2 per game, which is really interesting. They have nobody else above that. They have, like... He's at five, Zach's at five, and then Sato's hovering around five, which is nice. I like that they have Thad a Young there. Thad Young should be around but, two. Thad Young has the most assists off the be- the third most assists off the bench in the league, and he's the only non-center in the, or the non-guard in the top thirteen. That was a see. stat that they showed yesterday during the broadcast. Yep, you're right. He's a, he's at a he's at a four point three assists per game. Dude, they have a great broadcast. I love those guys. Great They're awesome. Broadcast. Stacey King and I always forget the uh Adam Amin. the play by play guy's name, but he's great. Um Um but I mean the thing with Kobe is like he's really finding his groove. He's a little bit inconsistent. What was his name? Adam Amin. The broadcaster. Okay, that's what he's from was. Chicago yeah, too, which is cool. Um yeah. Hell yeah. Um my my biggest thing with like the idea of the Lonzo trade though is I feel like it stunts Kobe a little bit 
just like in like a uh, you have to compete for your situation type thing, which I think is usually good for like like uh, let's say like a quarterback or something like that. Like I want like I wanted Trubisky to have some heat under his ass because he was too complacent. But with Kobe, I want it to be all about confidence for him because that's where he thrives. When he is confident, he can go get you thirty six points. And he and Zach can combine for whatever it is they combine for the other night. They combine for like 70 fucking points together. But I like yeah. the idea of Lonzo just as a distributor, but I'm not sure if it works for this team. And I, I want to see how Lowry works out. Like you just said, like Wendell just came back and he was balling. Like in that Philly game, like I was watching, I watched the first half or so, and I think he had 10 mm-hmm. of their first 14 points or something like that. Like this guy was out here just, just serving. And I think Lowry's capable of that too, just going out there and – as long, I mean, basketball is purely about confidence. Everybody is so fragile. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, these are all right. just, like, like humans. It's just so weird to think about, like, that these guys are humans. And, and confidence is such a fragile thing that if you take away from that by putting them in a trade rumor or something like that, it's going to eat at them a little bit. And I think Lowry is a guy who, I mean, when he's playing this year, he's averaging 19 points a game. So, like, he's your second leading scorer when he's healthy. Granted, he's not healthy enough. He's only played in 14 games this year. But when he is out there, like, yeah. he's making a difference. And I don't know. I, I think he's a little bit too valuable to just give up a seven-footer that can just fucking whap from three. Like, he's shooting 40% from three this year. Yeah, I mean, the games that he has played, he's been good. And that one game against the Knicks a few weeks ago before he went down, he was balling in the first half. The thing with him is just, it's kind of like Wendell. He's always hurt. You never know kind of what you're going to get at least with Wendell it's nice because if he can stay healthy for the rest of this season we don't have to worry about a contract extension until the off season or going into next season Lowry right now is about to is about to enter restricted free agency and there's been so many reports over the years that if things don't change in Chicago he's going to look elsewhere or the Bulls are looking to shop him and he just hasn't been around this new team enough like he played the beginning of the year then COVID shit kind of took him out of the lineup for a while and then he came back for a few games and then an injury took him out again like it's just when I'm thinking about the Bulls team this year I'm really thinking of Lowry and I know that he's like a, I know he's a valuable asset and his skill set that he brings to the table is really can be beneficial for a young team that's on the rise but as he's entering this restricted free agency I just I don't know if I was in the Bulls front office what I would be willing to pay him over a five-year contract because like i don't know what he's demanding i could see him being like a five-year hundred kind of guy 110 like and i don't know if it's just tough because i mean the stats are there like he his if you look at the box score it reflects that he's a player that's worth investing into but you got to have your player on the floor. It's like Otto Porter right now. We're paying him 28 mil, and he's just not there. Did you see that? Someone edited his Wikipedia, and it said Otto Porter Jr. is a millionaire who sometimes is a basketball player for the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it's like it's like the Chris Stapps situation. We have to learn from that, right? Like, we got a seven-footer yeah. who has bounce, like Lowry and Chris Stapps. And, you know, they can stretch the floor, and they, re- they rely on being able to blow by guys and get into the rim and stuff like that. Uh, so I think you have to be wary. Like, I think you're right. You have to be cautious when you enter that situation because you don't want to give a guy too much money to warm your bench. And in street clothes, nonetheless, not just like in a warm-up, but like in street clothes. Um, but let's move on to Brooklyn real quick. Uh, so Brooklyn has moved to second place in the Eastern Conference. They're 20-12 and 12 right now. They're a half game behind Philadelphia. They have won five in a row. 
They just beat. Yeah. They just sweep the entire uh, Pacific Division. They go out. They beat Golden State by 17. And they're putting up points. It's not just like they beat them 117 to 100. They beat them 134 to 117. Uh, they beat Sacramento 136 to 125. Then they go out and they beat Phoenix. Then they go out and they beat the Lakers. And then they go out and they beat the Clippers. This is all without Kevin Durant. This is just James Harden and Kyrie Irving out here hooping. Now, I told you this before the pod, but this is my favorite team to watch right now. Um, it's not particularly close. They play such an enjoyable brand of basketball. It isn't the Rocket system that grew a little bit tired. I mean, we loved the Rockets. We always rooted for James, but I would become fatigued during games sometimes um, just watching people stand around. This team, yeah. they feed off of each other. And I think that's the biggest difference between this and the, the Houston system is D'Antoni and Nash have calibrated an offense that really maximizes everybody's potential. Joe Harris in that Lakers game looked like the best shooter I've ever seen. I'm like, there's no way this motherfucker is making seventh. Like, they, they hit 17 threes in that game. And I was thinking to myself, like, if they meet down the line in the finals, like, there's no way they're going to make 17 to 20 threes right. every game. But then I'm like, but why wouldn't they? Right? Like, I mean, they're going to have Kevin Durant in the mix then. And... I can get four or five threes from KD, Kyrie, or Harden on any given night, and then I can get an extra three or four from Joe, and then whoever else gets sprinkled in the mix. So the recipe that they're working with right now looks unstoppable on offense. Are they the best team in the league right now? That's an interesting question. From a talent standpoint, obviously, just by those three players. But I mean, the Jazz... You know, the Jazz I could definitely see becoming like a 2016 Atlanta Hawks situation. But even then, they feel better. The players that they have on that team, like their stars, like who did Atlanta have as those four all-stars? It was Jeff Teague, Corver, Horford, and Damari Carroll. Paul Millsap and Damari Carroll. And yeah. this year, and you know, this Jazz yeah. team is... None, none of the... Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Jordan Clarkson, who is my was my preseason sixth man of the year pick. It looks like that's going to go through. Um, and then you got Royce uh-huh. O'Neal, who I... Did you put money on that? That would have been no, a good I, I did it before I made my DraftKings account. Um, I still could probably, Damn. right? I don't know. But, you know, I saw something today that Royce O'Neal... He's probably the way too much. Royce O'Neal is in, like, the top three or five in terms of toughest assignments picked up on defense. You know, everyone knows Joe Engel's wall. So, I mean, I as a team, like as if we're looking at it from like a team standpoint, like you're looking at the box score, everybody and what they're doing, I would say the Jazz right now probably are. But I don't think the Nuts are done making deals yet. Obviously, they're in terms of pure talent, if you just put everyone out on the floor, obviously you have three of the best basketball players of our generation and one who I think is going to go down as a top ten player of all time. And, yeah. Kyrie. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I, you know, I think... Yeah. It's, I don't think they're done making moves yet. I don't think that roster is done being filled out. They sneakily picked up Andre Roberson, who I haven't really thought about in a few years, but, I mean, he's been hurt. Um, and he was always noted as such a great defender for those Thunder teams. Like, he was a pivotal player, and... I think that was a good pickup, and, you know, Drummond, we could see what happens with that. Boogie, it would be a good fit um, in terms of offense. 
And obviously, you know, defense may probably, you know, it's not as strong suit anymore. He's a little bit slow. But, like, you can put Boogie in front of the rim. I'm not going towards him. Mm -mm. No, no, hell no. And he's just an enforcer. Like, I mean, he's a big boy. But, like, when I look at these top three scorers real quick, Durant, 29, Kyrie, 27.7, Harden, 25, and the Hardens are also giving you 11.5 assists, which is stupid. And then Kyrie and KD are giving you five assists per game. That is 60, 69, 76. That is 80 points per game between three players, right? Okay, so now I'm looking at Utah, just for comparison's sake, okay? Don- 80 points. Donovan is at 24.5. Beautiful. Love it. He's proven Shaq wrong. Fuck Shaq. He's at 24.5. Clarkson at 18.3. He's coming off the bench, dude. He hasn't started a single game this season. So you got 42 He's right there. 18.3? Yeah, so you got 42 right there. He should be an all-star. He should. Why not? Why not? So then we've got Bull or Mike Conley, sixteen. So that's forty-two. That's a fifty-eight. And then you've got oh, I forgot to mention Bullion at fifteen. They're at seventy-three points a game with their top four scorers, and then they finally get to eighty-six with Gobert. So their top five scorers are averaging six points more per game than the Nets. Now you can look at that two ways. You can say, "Wow, the Nets' top three scorers. We haven't seen anything like this before." Or you can look at Utah and think. When I watch them play, it's like watching... I don't think of the 2016 Hawks. I think of the 2013 Spurs. I'm like, the way that they move the ball is unlike anything I've seen since then. And maybe the Golden State era, but they're a little bit different just because they had Steph and Clay spacing the floor. This team doesn't have the killer, killer shooters, but they have so much space that allows them to be killer shooters. Joe Ingles, he's shooting 46% from three this year, and he's taking five of them a game. That's stupid. Uh, They've got... Mike Conley, who's finally fit in his role, he's shooting 41% from three. Royce O'Neal taking four threes per game, shooting at 42% clip. So these guys have been in the system for so long. They are custom Quinn Snyder and what he wants to do. They haven't really made any trades. The only big acquisition they've made was Conley last year. Uh, they re-signed Derek Favors this offseason. So they have guys that have been in the system before and that they know how to maximize the potential of it. I talk about that all the time. Maximize the potential because... Everybody in the NBA has the potential. It's just whether or not that the coach can get the most out of them, and that's what they're doing. Now, with Brooklyn, I mean, it's just – it'd be so exhausting to play them in a seven-game series. Like, if you're if you're a head coach and you're like, well, who do I game plan against? Do I try to stop KD? Well, if I do that, then I, I, I guess, like, if I'm a coach, I'm probably going to try to stop Harden. Try to tip as many of his passes as I can. He's a little bit lazy mm-hmm. sometimes. And that'll all shake itself out in the playoffs. We can talk about it down the line. But um, I don't know, man. They, they've just been so fun to watch, even without Kevin out there. And the Jazz are so fucking fun to watch. Like, I think that even if you took Donovan off the team, that their offense is still going to look the same. And that's the biggest thing about those these two teams. If you take out KD, the offense is still going to look the same. If you take out Donovan, the offense is still going to look the same. But if you're the Lakers and you take out AD, nothing looks the same on either side of the four. So credit to both of those front offices for putting together a great team. And credit to both those coaches, dude. Like Steve Nash is fucking killing it. Mm-hmm. Quinn Snyder is killing it. Those are my two Coach of the Year candidates right now just because of what they've been able to do. Um, what about you? Who would your Coach of the Year be? Is it Billy? Little BD. I'd say Tibbs. Tibbs. I, I like that too. I mean, they're the seven seed. If right they now. make, if they're fifteen and sixteen, they're hovering they at five hundred. Going and make it in the playoffs. I think that Tibbs deserves some. I mean, obviously, he goes like the best regular season or second best or whatever, like MVP. But 
if Tibbs can bring the New York Knicks back playoffs with kind of largely the same roster as last year, you know, and that's kind of a, you know, that's an interesting fold that I just kind of, by saying that, thought about between the Bulls and the Knicks. Both were at the bottom of the Eastern Conference last mm-hmm. year's. Mm-hmm. Um, they made front office changes and they made head coaching changes. And I think both of them found coaches that really fit kind of the tempo and the style that they're both trying to run. Billy Donovan's a great developer of young talent and can make them play fast and quick and run a great offense. And Tibbs is, you know, we know Tibbs. He's a fucking grinder. He brings that grit to New York basketball back. And I think it's Randall and Tibbs is a great pairing. And I think it's been, I mean, obviously it's worked wonders for Julius Randle. Okay, let's, while we're on the note we of this. We need to get Hado on here soon to talk about Julius Randle. Yeah, we do, we do. Um, so let's go into our, so I'll name the, the All-Star starters came out last week or maybe a week and a half ago, something like that. Uh, in the Western Conference, it was Luka Doncic, Stephen Curry, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, and Kawhi Leonard. In the Eastern Conference, it was Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid. So real quick, Jack, let's fill out the benches so that we need seven reserves for each team. I'm going to throw some at you for the Eastern Conference, and then if you could do the West for me, that'd be perfect. You good with that? Yeah, I'm, try- yeah, I'm trying to find the fucking... Like lists of just like guys who are up there, just because I can't pull fifteen out of my head. But so I'm gonna read. Okay, I'm gonna do the West for you. Okay. Wait, no, we don't need we don't need fifteen. We we need we need twelve. Okay. Yes. Yeah, you're gonna do the West, and I'm gonna do the East. So we'll go back and forth. You tell me if they're an All Star or not. Okay. For the West. Yep. Okay. Donovan Mitchell. For the West. Of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. Like, we just talked about, like, this dude is... He's the best player on the best team yes. in basketball right now. I think... Um, all right. Yeah. Are you I ready mean, for this one? I feel ben like that's Simmons. just kind of standard. You're the top team in the your conference. You get two or... Th- you get at least two All-Stars, and if you're kind of having a season like the Jazz, I think you kind of get three. Mmm. Mmm. Okay. Now, that's where it gets spicy. So, throw, throw, me, your, uh, throw me your second reserve. Zion Williamson. That's tough. Now, oh, fuck. Now, this is where you get me. I'm going to say, I'm going to say no, because I want to reward winning. I love him. You know I love him. He's so fun to watch. It is the All-Star game, so maybe just on that account, like, we want to Mm -hmm. see guys do cool dunks and stuff like that, sure, but... I'd feel too bad giving it to him. He's been too bad defensively. Yeah, I would agree. I think that... Yeah, I just don't... They're, what, the 12th, 13th seed in the West? It's just not... You don't make the All-Star... Like, Brad Beal couldn't make the All-Star team last year leading the league in scoring. Zion, as fun as he is to watch and as good of a season he's having, next year. And if is he even the best player on that team? Like Bi, I would argue, I'd rather have Bi in a playoff series. So I would too. Um, all right, this is a, a this is a duo for you, uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Do both of them make it, or does one of them make it over the other? See, this is this is kind of tricky 
because the Celtics are 500. They're a game away from the Bulls. And it's kind of one of those scenarios where it's like, yeah, you got players playing well, but do you deserve two all-star selections? If they were the three seed, or even four seed, I'd say, yeah, fuck it, make both of them all-stars. I mean, but I'd have to say Jalen over Jason. Dude, Jalen Brown has been such a fucking hooper this year. Like, it's unreal. Bill Simmons was right. You're cold. You're cold-blooded. So, I'm looking at their numbers right now. He's been amazing. So, he was. He was. All right, so, he's shooting 50% from the field. Jason's at 45. He's shooting 41% from three. Jason's at 39. He's averaging 25.5 per game. Jason's averaging 26. He's averaging 5.5 boards. Jason's averaging 7. Jalen's averaging four assists, and Jason's averaging four and a half assists. They have played nearly the same amount of games. Um, sorry, no, Jalen's played in 28. Jason's played in 25. I would give the nod to both of them personally just because I think they're the it's only reason these team, that this team has won any games. I think, like what we talked about, the Lakers supporting cats, I think that the Celtics honestly might have the, the worst supporting cast in the league as far as like these playoff teams are concerned. Kemba Walker is not good at basketball. He's not. He's not good at basketball anymore. Um, he doesn't show up in big games. He's averaging 17 on the season. That's fine. And when I say he's not good at basketball, obviously I'm being somewhat sarcastic because he's a fucking NBA player. But he has just not been the same guy. Um, and Marcus Smart, he's been out a lot of the season. Kemba's obviously been out a lot. But they have, like, Peyton Pritchard playing fucking 20 minutes a game. Semi Ojale playing 20 minutes. Grant Williams, Jeff Teague, Aaron Neesmith. I mean, if you just look down the line, it's like, gross dude like I feel bad for Jason and Jalen personally yeah and I, it kind of makes sense with Kemba honestly because it's tough for small guards to be consistent for super long and I think he's just had so many miles put on him over the years playing in Charlotte and just having to be the guy and be the only guy for so long I think it just kind of Wears you down because I mean he's been in the league since we were in middle school. Uh-huh. I mean, what draft was he in? 2010, 2011? Like, uh-huh. it makes sense and it sucks, but yeah. I mean, I wouldn't if both of them were named All Star reserves. I wouldn't. It wouldn't be something where I would like throw a fit and freak out. Like they both definitely have the statistics to deserve it. I just am not sure if their team record is of. The right pedigree, but that's not up to me to decide. So, okay, Western Conference. So right now we've got Donovan Mitchell affirmed. So we have six guys. So we need uh, we need six more guys. Now th- this is tough, uh, but th- throw a couple at me. Damian Lillard. Of course, I think he should have been a starter. Yeah. I I think I mean it, it, the best point guard in the league. Mantle is it's neck and neck for him and stuff and. I don't know why he didn't get the votes. I guess it was because the international vote really came through for the fans because they get 50%, and then the players and coaches split uh, the other 50%. But um, just why? Like, I'd rather have him than Luca every day of the week right now. No offense to Luca, I love watching Luca, but it's Dame, dude. Like, if you look at the clutch points, clutch percentages, their record in the clutch, he is 
like the dame time thing is not a cliche it's not just like some stupid little kink that people made up for hulu commercials like it's real it's as real as it gets yeah i agree he's so good he's so fucking good all right you ready yeah he's so he's it's, it's really that simple he's so fucking good okay the best player on the milwaukee bucks chris middleton I'd give him the nod. I think that I've been seeing a lot of stuff where his name's not included, and I think that for so long he's not getting the recognition that he deserves as an all-star player. And, I mean, you know, his stats might not be something that jump off the page and you see, like, 21-5-5, five, and five, but you take Chris Middleton off that Bucks team, they're not as good as they are right now. He is a vital, vital piece of that team, and he has oh, been just- for the last four four five years so yeah i think that he deserves it i think that he league ride deserves more recognition so yeah i think when when players go against the bucks they realize like oh we gotta deal with this guy all night like he is exhausting like he can score from every single level on the floor and he's a really good defender I've talked about it before, but I had money on Miami in that Milwaukee-Miami series last year just because I didn't believe in the Bucks, And I was never scared of Giannis when he had the ball in his He's hands. He's a hooper. But when Chris Middleton had the ball in his hands, I was like, this is cash. Like, get the ball out of his hands. And the one game that Giannis was out, Middleton put up like 40, and they got a win. Um, but anyways, he is. He's a straight hooper. Um, all right, so we've got, we've got 10 in the Eastern Conference now. We have 7 in the West um, let's fill out. Let's go. Give me two spots for the West. Devin Booker and Rudy Gobert. Okay. Now, if I have to pick one of the Suns, I'm going to pick Chris Paul. I just am. If you if you can give me both, I'll take them both. But I'm definitely giving it to Gobert. Like, that's without a doubt. Like, we've talked about yeah. he's kind of like the – the stand-in for Defensive Player of the Year. When voters don't know who to give it to, they're just like, fuck it, give it to the Frenchman. He's really earned it this year, dude. He, I feel bad for tripping on him in the past for winning that award, but goddamn, dude, when he is on the floor, nobody wants to go in the paint. It's hilarious to watch. It's like people It's like people remembered, like, oh, I can shoot mid-range jump shots when Gobert's in the paint. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll give it to, if I can, if you're okay with that, I'll give it to Chris, Devin, and Gobert because the Suns, Four seed in the West right now, twenty and ten, totally different franchise now than they ever have been before. I think that's largely a part of Chris Paul, but also Booker isn't shying away. He's proving to us that if you give us a give him a playoff caliber roster, he's going to help them get into not just the playoffs, but in the top four seeds. Yeah, and they'd be the top seed in the East right now if they were in the East. So that think that's pretty noteworthy as well. Jeez, that's crazy. That's a good point. Um, Okay, Eastern Conference. Okay, it's time. Zach Levine. Yeah, no question. No doubt about it. I agree. I completely wholeheartedly agree. And I'm proud of you for standing up to the plate. Um, We talked about his numbers earlier. This guy is... He's having the best season of his career by a wide margin. Like, he, the numbers might not look that by different. By a wide margin. The numbers might not look that different from last year. Like, the shooting splits do for sure. But, I mean, dude, like, it's just how hard he plays, bro. Like, there isn't a night that he takes off. Like, there might be moments in the game where, like, he gets frustrated and he might chuck a little bit. But at least he's trying, right? Like, we've seen so many guys that just 
they just look like you can't remember that they're on the floor, and that's the worst kind of that's like a disease for a basketball player, like that you forget that they're out there. I never forget Levine is out there, and I think that's a really big thing for him. He's a completely different player. It's it's night and day, and I I mean obviously a big part of that has to be attributed to Billy Donovan. Nobody would in their right mind would want to play for Jim Boylan and give him any fucking effort because he's a garbage coach, but. This franchise has a direction now. They have their eyes set on something, and they're building towards something. And I think all the fans and Zach, too, have full confidence in them, in AK, in Mark Eversley, and Billy Donovan to you know, create a formidable roster and team that's really going to grow together and succeed over the next few years. And you can just see how bought in he is. And it's just every, every time he takes a shot, I... I'm confident it's going to go in. I'm surprised when it doesn't. When we look at... Now, I, I love the word, or I love the award, the most valuable player, but I think it's always given in the wrong lighting. I think that it should always be, if you take away this player, how much worse is their team? If you take away Zach Levine from the Bulls, how many wins do they have this season? Four? Five? None? Yeah, they're... Right there, they're right there with the Timberwolves is one of the worst teams. So I mean, and this is the same way we look at Julius Randle, who I think we could also give the nod to here. Like I'm, t- I'm taking Julius over uh, Hayward, Sabonis, Bam, Trey Young, all of these guys just because of what he means to his team. Like you see that that team rallies around him. They're so bought into him being the leader. Even over Tobias Harris, who I think has been amazing this year. I'm just taking Julius and Levine because of what they mean to their teams. Like, they are the heart and soul of their teams. People buy into those teams because of those players. And I, I think that is just, you can't overlook that. Okay, so we filled out our Eastern Conference. We have two spots left in the Western Conference. Who are your pitches? I'm going to throw you this one. I kind of already mentioned it. Jordan Clarkson. Now... He was going to be my next one. I, when I think about this, it, it's tough because I, I love to because, like we said, 25-6. and six, But we haven't even mentioned Paul George yet. And he's, he's, been, he's been really good this year. So, I mean, Clark said it's, it's crazy to think that we're having this conversation, is it not? Like, this was the guy that was jumping over Kendall Jenner at Coachella a couple of years ago. And he was just like one another one of the stoners on the Lakers. And now he's like... Yeah. Probably going to be the sixth man of the year. He is one of the most fun players to watch. Like, he is the ultimate green light. Like, he's kind of taking over the Nick Young, J.R. Smith mantle right now. Just, like, I get the ball and putting it up. Now, do I want to give it to him over Mike Conley? I don't know. Because Mike Conley is, like, I think he's, like we said, like, the the engine behind that team isn't Donovan. It's probably Gobert. But above all else, it's Snyder. And he's the one who is... Like, this team is 25-6 and six right now because of how much better Conley is this year than he was last year, right? Like, he was he was atrocious last year. So, I'd probably give him the nod over Clarkson. But um, if you want if they want to have, like, a three-point shootout for it, I'd, I'm not opposed. Yeah, I think – I mean, Conley also has missed some games, but – Yeah. I think it just needs – I just kind of just think the norm, and I'm not just – Kind of just going based off of precedent that, you know, teams in these positions often see themselves secure three All-Star nominations. And the Jazz, you know, what, one, 
what won what twenty of their last twenty one games before that <laughs> loss to the Clippers. So yeah, you gotta just you gotta reward that kind of stuff. I I think so. If it's Mike Conley, if it's Jordan Clarkson, I just think Jordan Clarkson um, kind of brings more mm, to the All Star game. He does. He definitely does. Mike Conley would be like the Kyle Lowry of the All-Star game this year, just plain boring, drawing charges. Um, but all right, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, thank you guys for listening to The Fro and the Flow. Uh, please tune in to All Things Burps Basketball this week. We're going to be talking about hoops again. On, are we recording on Thursday? Is that correct? Okay, something like that. We, we kind of just figure it out on the fly. But thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you. Please make sure to listen to Run It Back Fight Club Edition. If you haven't seen Fight Club before, please give it a watch before you listen to the episode. And also dig into the archives. We've done Uncut Gems and Lady Bird in the last two weeks. We think you guys will really love that. And then next week we will be doing Dazed and Confused. So a lot of good movies on the slate. Uh, thank you guys for supporting us. Please like and subscribe. Rate us five stars because we are, we are five-star people and we think you are too for listening to us. Um, so, yeah, we appreciate it. LeBronianism forever. Um, we love you guys. And, yeah, have a great rest of your week.